turn to Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32. <clears throat> now I did skip a few on purpose. A lot of them are very, very similar. So, so I skipped a few here. Um, I'm going to jump over to Psalm 32. And I'm going to read the entire psalm. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to thee. My iniquity have I not hid. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse, or as the mule, which having no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall accompany him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. You know, Nathan mentioned something the other, last Sunday night, during men's prayer, but he, of course, started reading through the chronological Bible. And he says it's interesting that the psalmist, uh, if you read through the chronological Bible, of course, you're going to find the psalms divvied out somewhere in, sec- in the Samuels and the Kings and the Chronicles, you know, because that's the time during they've written. And it's says it's interesting that David was either crying to the Lord in times of trouble, which we should do, which we often do in times of trouble, we cry unto the Lord. But in good times, he was then praising the Lord. And you know, Nathan, you know, testified that you know it really spoke to him because you know, oftentimes when we're in trouble, we cry in the Lord. But when things are good, we forget to praise Him. But that was a pattern of David, the man after God's own heart. Even in the good times, he didn't forget about his God, and he cried in the Lord. You know, in the Psalms, there are a lot of a lot of them. Or he's either crying on the Lord or he's in some distress, which comes on all of us. We go through times of distress and hardships and trials. Or there's times where he's praising the Lord for the Lord's goodness. In some, psalm, some of the Psalms, he speaks of both and speaks how God intervenes. And so a lot of these have been what this is about. But in Psalm 32, and this is a psalm that is uh, speaking about the time after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Um. <clears throat> Excuse me. Psalm fifty, another fifty-one is another one that uh, was during that time, and so I titled this tonight, "Blessed are the honest." Blessed are the honest. Uh, you bl- the word "blessed" means happy, or the idea of the word "blessed" here means that you might say, "All oh, the happiness of the man has been ke- cleared of the guilt of the crime." 
You know, when a man, if a man is charged with a crime, it's a happy day when he's cleared of that charge. And blessed are the man whose transgression is forgiven. You know, again, it's a happy day when charges brought against one are dropped or dismissed or renewed. And, but that blessing will not be given if we are not honest before the Lord. You know, in honesty, an old preacher said this, and I heard it. Um, it was uh, Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen Sr., with the Lord now, but he, he was, they were, I got some cassette tapes of, of the Van Geldrens, and, and uh, he was kind of reminiscing and just saying different things, and he said, he was talking about uh, humility, and he said, humility is simply honesty. It's being honest with the Lord. And uh, so that's why I titled it, Blessed Are the Honest Tonight. So blessed or happy are he whose transgressions are forgiven. Now the word, you know, the transgressions is a trespass. It's a sin. It's offense against God. In Psalm fifty-one, and and verse one through four, David said, "Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, my offense against God. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin." For I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thy judgest. So a transgression is a trespass or a sin or offense against God. And David says, blessed or happiest man whose transgression is forgiven. Now the word forgiven here means take away. It's taken away. Um, to make an atonement for. You know, there's three words in the word atonement. At, one, meant. Uh, you divide it up three parts. You know, and, and really it means to be made at one again with God. So the word, blessed is a man or happy is a man whose transgression is taken away or atoned for, or it means to pardon, or he is pardoned, or he's clear. And, and of course, David, again, he understood this. And again, I, I mentioned this, is, this psalm is in connection with his sin with Bathsheba. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, you might want well to just keep, your, keep a, a bookmark or something there because we may be going back there again. But 2 Samuel 12, verse 12 and 13, uh, Nathan, of course, had come to him and he said, For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. Of course, he's talking about the consequences of David's sins. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. The Lord hath put away thy sin. You know, the, the law said in the Old Testament, if, they were, if there was adultery, they were to be stoned. But Nathan said, The Lord hath put away thy sin. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know that your sins are forgiven. They are put away. Uh, it's a happy day when we learn that our sins are put away. In Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, he says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Yes, God has removed our transgressions 
from us. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven. Jeremiah 31, 33, 34, he says this, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no man, no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Blessed, happy is the man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is covered. The Lord's sin, you know, you know the Bible always covers everything. The, the, the word transgression has the idea of an offense against God. The word sin here refers to, is, is used eight times in the Old Testament, and five of those times, once it's used as an offering for a sacrifice for sin, but the five of those times it refers, it's always described as a great sin. A great sin or a great offense. So we're not talking about just something that doesn't have a lot of effect. We're something that has great implications as David's sin did with Bathsheba. It was a great sin. Uh, Exodus thirty-two twenty-one says, And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? And three times in that chapter it's used. And verses 30 and 31, again, it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure, I will make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, All those people have sinned a great sin. So we're talking about a great offense here, that, again, that David had committed against the Lord. And, and David said, I have sinned against the Lord. But you think about the context in which he says that. Nathan had just pronounced upon him a fourfold judgment upon him. The child would die. The sword would never depart from his house. Um, you know, and, and I can't remember all the things that were listed there, but there's four things. And there were great con consequences to David's sin, although God had forgiven him. And the word, the word covered here means to, to be hidden or concealed. Uh, to be hidden or So blessed is the man whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. The, 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 you know, to impute not iniquity is, is to not impute the guilt contracted by the sin or the crime to be punished. So David did not have imputed to him the, the, the crime to be punished. Or he died. He was concealed or protected from that. Again, in, in 2 Samuel 12, 13, Nathan said, The Lord hath put away thy sin. You know, it's interesting. There's an interesting statement, in, and I've used this before, in Numbers 23, 21. And, and you know, this is while the children of Israel were journeying through the wilderness. And, you know, in chapter 13, I think it was, uh, 12 and 13, they sent the spies in. No, it was chapter 13, I think. They sent the spies in. Chapter 14 is where they, they rose up against Moses and against Joshua and Caleb, and, and they all murmured and complained, and they were going to go back to, to, to Egypt. 
you know, and, and so on and so forth. And then God pronounced, you know, you're going to spend 40 years in this place. And, uh, and, and then in Numbers 23, they, they're getting close to going into the land, and they're coming up against Moab, and, and the king of Moab sends for Balaam and says, curse me this people. And so Balaam goes, and he tries to curse them, and then Balaam says this. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. Now, is he talking about the same Jacob that we know? It says he hath not beheld. In other words, he doesn't see sin in Jacob. Talking about children of Israel. Neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. I would say they've been perverse about every other month. You know. The Lord his God is with him, and the shadow of a king is among them. That's what Balaam said. He hath not beheld. You see, it's his sin, his iniquity, because they are his people, is hidden. It's concealed from the eye of God. Now, your sin tonight is hidden. God doesn't see you in your sin. If you're saved, God doesn't see you in your sin. He sees you in Christ. Your sin is concealed by the blood. Actually, it's washed away. It's completely hidden. You know what? You can dig it up. Because it's under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hidden. You know, there's an interesting phrase in Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred serveth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. And God's love covers, conceals all of our sin. It's hidden from the eye of God. You know, John 1.29 says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. You know, again, our iniquities and our sins he remembereth no more. You know, it says that twice in the book of Hebrews. I think it's chapter 8, verse 17 is one of those. So, yeah, I, I, I said this uh, Wednesday. I was working with Brother Crittenden. And we were putting in a glass shower door frame a a uh, what they call frameless and it was in a there was two there was there was door went like this there was a an angle like this and then another piece went like this and there was a step in there and then there was an angled ceiling so there was a lot of angles it's tricky well this angle was not quite exactly right on the glass and he said well what I can do is go get my inch and a quarter channel, and it'll work. It'll reach up into that inch and a quarter channel. The channel they sent with it was only, I think, three-quarter inch or inch. It wasn't quite wide enough for that glass, that piece that went like this, to reach up into that channel at the ceiling. This piece was didn't go to the ceiling. And, and, I, and, and you know, I was getting ready to leave, and he said, he said man, I, I said, hey, it all worked out. He said, yeah, I'm so glad. I said, Trim covers a multitude of sins. I've said that many times in carpentry. You know, if you were to look at the line of the drywall along the top of that, close to that ceiling there, it's uneven. 
It doesn't look good, but it looks good now. Trim covers it. Not that that was a sin, but you know that a lot of people. A lot of people when you when you're working in a house, they'll look at some imperfections, you know, somewhere, and they say, "Well, that's a big crack between that door and the drywall there." Don't worry, trim covers a multitude of sins. You'll never know it. No one will ever know. If you don't tell, I won't either. You know, that's what I often tell them. But you know. Calvary covers it all. The song says, Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and stain, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. Calvary covers it all. Blessed is the man whose sin is covered. It's hidden. It's hidden. You know, there's an interesting thing here, too. I'll just throw this out to it. I've often thought about this. When sin is dealt with properly, even the world does not make a big to-do of it. But when you try to cover it up, then there's a scandal. Then there's something to talk about. I learned that early on when we were in Maine. You know, when we dealt with sin properly, even the world didn't talk about it anymore. But if you tried to cover it up and conceal it, you know, there's this constant talk underneath. It's not really out and out public, but there's constant chatter about it. Mistrust, because, you know, things aren't right. You see, God takes care of all that. When you deal with it properly. So blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. But blessed also or happy is the man in whom is no guile. Notice verse 2. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now, the word guile means to deceit or fraud. And so really... Uh, this is just being honest and and uh, with the Lord. You know, when Dave, while David practiced deceit and fraud, he was not forgiven. His sin was not hidden. In fact, he was overcome with guilt. Notice in verses three and four, it says. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture turned to the drought of summer, Selah. You know, he tried to, David tried to cover his sin by sending Bathsheba back home and then calling for Uriah back from his military service to spend time with his wife to cover his adultery. The only problem is Uriah didn't play along. Uriah didn't play along with him. So, then he had him killed in battle. But you know what, really, you think about it. He was exposed because he had to send a letter to Joab telling Joab how to get Uriah killed. And 
And all the while he's doing this, he is in misery with guilt, and he's suffering physically. You think about it. When I kept silence, in other words, he's living a deceit or a fraud. He's he's, he's, He's living guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thine hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned to the drought of summer, Selah. Uh, so it's affecting him. You know, he's suffering with misery and guilt, and it's affecting him physically. But when he humbles himself and is honest, he finds the love of God that covers or pardons his sin. If you notice again in verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord. And thou forgavest, and that's the same word as in verse 1 where it says he takes away. Thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. So when he humbles himself and is honest, uh, exposes himself as, as what he really did, for what he really did, then he finds God's pardon, God's forgiveness and cleansing. Again, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess. And that word of faith means agree with. And that starts with being honest and agreeing with God. We have to agree with God. If we don't agree with God, well, God goes against us. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James 4. Verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. So you ask, they're asking amiss in error or for selfish means that may consume it upon your lust. That's the idea there. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know not the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth in thee? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Your laughter return to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Now, when David was being a deceit and a fraud, God was resisting him. God was really, as one man said, the picture, word picture here is God goes to battle against you. If we're not honest with the Lord... We're being prideful. And God goes to war against us. Uh, but when we humble ourselves inside the Lord, he shall lift us up. We find the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 5, similar pa- parallel passage. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you be subject to one another, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth, that's the same word, the proud, and giveth grace and humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So when David humbled himself and was honest, he found God's love, and God then ceased to resist him and instead helped him. You know, Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return on the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So blessed or happy is the man in whom there is no God, that is honest with himself and with the Lord. And we have to be honest with ourselves and with the Lord. Blessed or happy uh, as the man that finds deliverance. If you notice in verse 6, verse 6, For this show everyone that is godly. Now he's referring, this is, the word for is a conjunction. So we're talking about the preceding verses here. For this show everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him so blessed or happy is the man that finds deliverance you know as a result of david's sin there were many that were given to great occasion against him you know even nathan said you've given your enemies great occasion against the lord you know i mentioned this a little bit that david you know i believe david lost the respect of joab because of this joab knew there was something you know, he may have not known exactly what David had done, but he knew, that was, he knew that David, this was not like David, to put one of his mighty men up against the wall where they're going to shoot from the wall and then have his other men back away from him. That's what he told him to do. Something fishy about this. So he lost respect. In fact, you remember Joab then was involved in recalling Absalom back from Geshur. Now, he didn't follow him in the coup, but he, he was meddling there a little bit with that. Absalom's revolt is really the result of this. See, trying to cover up his sin brought a great flood of problems into his life. And until he turned to the Lord, until he prayed honestly, without guile, until the Lord, they continued. But you notice in verse 6, and I think, I believe the phrase here, surely the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. The waters often the Bible refers to peoples. And so I think we're talking about great conflicts of peoples would not overtake him. And of course, you know, there was attempted coups uh, as a result of this this uh, uh, sin with Bathsheba. But when he prayed in the Lord, he says that he would be found of him. So to prevent this great flood of problems into his life, he had we must pray honestly, admitting our sins, our failure to obey his word, not only with disobedience, but also not doing what's right or good when we should know we should. You know, James 4.17 says, to him that knoweth the good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And he will be found. He will preserve us. He will compass us about. If you notice in verse uh, 
verse 6 again. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the flood of great waters they shall not come nigh unto thee. In other words, you're not going to be overtaken by the enemy. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. See, God, you remember the, you know, think about being compassed about. You remember Elijah was, uh, I think, at Dothan. And, and the, the, king, the king of, uh, of, uh, of um, Syria uh, was, tried to invade Israel three times. And each time, uh, Elisha told the king of Israel where his camp would be. And the king said, finally said, look, which one of you guys is telling the king of Israel where we are and my plans? And one of them spoke up and said, king, it's not us. It's that prophet in Samaria. And he said, well, let's go get the prophet then. So they surround his house where he is. And the servant gets up in the morning and looks out and he says, alas, master, look. And Elisha said, open his eyes. And he said, and the, the mountains were filled with chariots of angels, you know, of flaming angels. And I forget the exact wording there. And, and, and of course, he blinded him and then, and then took him right into uh, Samaria for the king of Israel. You see, the Lord can compass about with us with angels, which are ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation. Protect us if we're honest. That's the key. If we're honest, he will be found of us. We will also be blessed with his guidance. If you notice verses 8 and 9. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as, be not as a horse or as a mule which have no understanding, whose mouths might be held in with brit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. So we were blessed with the guidance of the Lord. The, guide, the phrase, guide with mine eye, uh, the word eye here speaks of, a, of the fountain of understanding. For example, Psalm 36, 9 says, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light we shall see light. In thy light we shall see light. Uh, Proverbs 40, or 14, 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. You know, and Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So, you know, the light, God says he's going to guide you with your eye, speaking the eye of understanding. But if your eye and your heart, you know, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where are your desires? Where is your will to do? What is your will to do? And, and if your eye is evil toward what is right, your body's going to be full of darkness. But if your eye is single, in other words, you're centered on one thing. You know, if you focus on one thing, 
you can do that a lot better than if you can focus on a multitude of things. You know, that's, when people focus on one thing, we call them specialists. You know, they're not general handyman like me. I do a multitude of things. <laughs> uh, if they focus on one thing, and you can get really good at one thing, and that and we're to be single in our eye, our focus is to be on the Lord and Him only. And if our, if our eye is single, the whole body shall be full of light, of the understanding of the Word of God and the will of God. But again, we have to be, it requires that we be honest with the Lord. If our stubborn selves try to do things our way without submitting to the Lord, the Lord cannot and will not guide us. In fact, he will resist us. James 4. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 5 through 9. Proverbs 8, 5 through 9 says this. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. So here, he says to hear, and I will speak of excellent things. He, he, he asks of us to understand wisdom and be of an understanding heart. It means to receive instruction from the Lord and carry it out the way he says to do it. For example, Saul received instruction from Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, Concerning Amalek. You go and utterly destroy Amalek. You destroy, you destroy man, woman, child, ox, ass, sheep. Everything. You destroy it. So he listened to what Samuel said and he went to Amalek. But he didn't carry it out the way the Lord said to carry it out. He did it his own way. He did it his own way. Now, he killed all the men and women and children, except he kept the king alive. Why he did that, I'm not sure. But he kept the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen. And then he says, I have obeyed the commandment of the Lord. What Samuel call it? Stubbornness and rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. He only, and, and you might say this, he partly obeyed. He partly obeyed. You know, that seemed to be characteristic of Saul. Saul received instruction from David and admitted that him hunting David was wrong. And so he went back to his house or wherever and stopped hunting David and it wasn't long until he was back hunting David again. What was he doing? Persisting in his own way. Even though he had heard the instructions, said, 
Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, God calls that perverse. Balaam was a prophet of God. But God said his way was perverse. He was a prophet for hire. So, you know, to receive instruction from the Lord requires no doubt. It requires an honest willingness to obey God's word, God's way. To resist the Lord or not take, take him at his word and believe him and obey him is like a stubborn mule that needs a bit. There's verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. You know what? David was like a stubborn mule for a while, and God put a bit and a bridle in his mouth, and it hurt. Things hurt until he got where he was willing to do what God said. He was willing to obey the Lord and be honest with him. See, we can have God's guidance. You know, sometimes I've, you talk to, I've talked to people, you probably have too, and they can't seem to see it. It may be as plain as the nose in your face. And I've often said this, it's because they don't want to see it. Because they don't want to do it. They know that if, 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 you know, if they accept that, they're going to have to change their ways. They don't want to do it. So they can't seem to see it. Yeah, there has to be a willingness to receive it. A willingness to receive it. You know, again, John 7, 17 says, He that will do his will shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In other words, you'll know if you're willing to do it. He that is willing to do, that's, that's, that's the meaning there. So, uh, blessed is a man who will receive that divine guidance. Happy. In fact, notice verses 10 and 11. It says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. There's that word compass again. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy all that are upright in heart. So, you trust in the Lord. There's going to be many sorrows to those that refuse to come to the Lord in honesty and in openness and humility. There are going to be many sorrows. Of course, David understood that, those heartaches. Uh, but, but those that trust in the Lord, it says, mercy shall compass him about. It will surround you with the blessings of God. You have the mercy of God, God's favor, God's uh, um, uh, uh, not giving us what we deserve. That's kind of the idea of what mercy is. God showing us kindness and loving kindness and, and, and grace and, and mercy and not giving us what we deserve, but giving us what we don't deserve. It will compass you about, he says. He will surround you with the blessing of the Lord. Your gladness and rejoicing of the upright. Be glad in the Lord, rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. You know, when, when, when you, when, when you uh, uh, 
and, and uh, a godly prey in the time when thou mayest be found, when there's no guile in your mouth, it'll bring gladness and rejoicing in your heart. Psalm 119, verses 2 and 3. says this, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Again, the idea of no guile. No guile. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. So there's the ones that they walk in his ways. So they are guided by the Lord. They understand and they obey his word. You'll bless it. Again, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. You know, that is the key. The key to being blessed, to have the happiness of the Lord in your life, is to have your transgressions forgiven, your sin covered, to be honest with the Lord, um, coming to him in time of need, in honesty and humility, and and obeying him in whatever he directs in our lives, allowing him to guide us, not persisting in our own way, but willing to do whatever the Lord asks, no matter how difficult or odd. You know, sometimes the Lord's ways just seem like, well... They just don't seem to make sense. I mean, just walking around a city for six days a day, a, a, once a day for six days, and then seven days, the seventh day to conquer it, does that make sense? No. No, it doesn't. See, some of the things that God asks of us to the human mind don't make sense. We don't think it'll work out. Well, that won't work. If God says it'll work, if God says to do it, it'll work. We have to trust him. Trust him. Seek him with the whole heart. Seek him with the whole heart. And he will be found of us. Ye shall seek me and ye shall find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah says. Blessed. God wants to bless his people. And we can be blessed, happy, knowing that our sins are forgiven, taken away in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessedness place we have in our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement and the challenge that you give to us. And thank you for the happiness that we can enjoy, knowing that our sins are forgiven, that they're hidden in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.